The next African story will be written by Africans. Meet the people using technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship to craft this new narrative. This is Building the Future Podcast with your host, Dalton, coming up today on Building the Future. I'm biased in that money thing, so I, I will never say money. I, you can, I can go to town with all the people that raised money that started. Remember, this is 2012. All of us started about the same time. If you look at the first set of founders and all of that, but I mean, those that raised money earlier than me, at when I rejected money, they're not ahead of me in terms of execution. They aren't, right? In terms of revenue and all of that, I'm still ahead. And by not even raising money, I have a huge percentage of my company versus they, they have. The main important thing is to figure out your private market fit, figure out your business model, because even money, my staff will tell you, I always say money doesn't change anything, right? Money doesn't change. Figure out how to execute your business with that money and let money accelerate your business. If your business doesn't work with small money, it would even work less with more, a lot more money. It's just you're multiplying zero times 100 is zero, still zero. This episode is brought to you by JEE Client Services. Have you ever left a negotiation feeling that you have lost, overcommitted, or will be overpaying? Negotiation is a skill and it can be learned. It is one of the most important skills you ever require as a business person. That is why you need to attend this online masterclass put together by JEE Client Services in conjunction with Lauren Gold Consulting. It's three series of live webinars starting from 14th November 2017. At the end of the webinar, you will understand how to to gather intelligence and prepare for negotiation, how to set expectations, how to bargain across cultural borders, how to deal with deadlocks during negotiation, and a lot more. This isn't just any masterclass. It is put together by top players in the game. JEE Client Services provides business support, governance, and compliance services for SMEs, large corporates, high net worth individuals, and membership organizations. I've known them for some time, and they're super professional and excellent in what they do. If you want to get the best out of your next negotiation, you need to sign up to attend this webinar series. Go to www.jcs.ng and register. The first masterclass is free for listeners of this podcast. To register, go to www.jcs.ng. My guest today is Kendall Anayi. Kendall is the CEO and founder of Wi-Fi.com.ng. It's interesting how Kendall started Wi-Fi.com.ng. He started a startup that was supposed to be doing video streaming services, and he found out that it's very difficult and actually expensive to get Wi-Fi. I have people to be actually, his users, not him, but his users to get access to the right Wi-Fi with the right bandwidth. So he started Wi-Fi.com.ng. Actually, it's called Tizeti to give people unlimited Wi-Fi, which is an ambitious venture to go into. So, Kendall, welcome to Build in the Future. Hi, Doctor. Nice to meet you. So, Kendall, let's start, with, let's start from the beginning. You're one of those people that saw the opportunity in the technology space in Nigeria and you wanted to tackle a problem. And the problem you initially spotted was video streaming service. What led you to that? What was the aha moment that led you to that? The initial idea was um, I'm a movie fan, so I wanted a situation where I was struggling with moving back from Canada to Nigeria, trying to get the shows and the movies I was used to. It's taking a long time, so you actually had to either torrent 
or use any of the other not so legit ways of getting movies. And I was like, okay, is there a way I can actually bring Hollywood movies to Nigeria? Was Iroko on by then? Iroko was on then, but so Iroko was, was different. Iroko was tackling Nollywood. I wanted to tackle Hollywood and try to get things into Nigeria instead of just waiting for the movies to come out in the theater. So that was the play, but it was a big audacious goal because I now started getting into it and I found out I needed a lot of money to actually talk to the Hollywood studios. And I also didn't have the finances won and then the user base And were you competing a bit with Netflix that play? The play was going to be yes but Netflix wasn't in Nigeria Netflix coming to Nigeria just a year ago this is a few years ago this is um, more than six seven years ago so basically I worked on that and I ended up saying okay the way I wanted to do it was to actually come up with a streaming box that could either cash the movies locally at night or figure out a way to get the movies onto the box and then stream them on the TV. But the real problem was the internet was now the problem. This, then the speeds then that providers then were offering was 2 megabits per second, which can barely give you single definition for one user. As which digital. also makes this, your movie to be buffering for a long time. Buffering for a long user. time. Then the cost itself too, because... Um, Switch was the dominant um, ISP at that time in Lagos. They had just moved away from the unlimited internet service. So all of the work we had done prior to that, uh, me and my co-founder had done prior to that to try to get the box, try to get movies. Basically, we didn't have a distribution talent to actually get the movies to the customer because if you're going to have caps of 10, 20 gigs, you can't even watch um, a movie. Was that a strange challenge that Iroko was facing? Because I know that Iroko initially, when it started, they were targeting the diaspora market. They were getting Nollywood to the diaspora market. So were they facing that same challenge? So yes, I think the they, they were facing that problem, which is why they focused on diaspora, where the internet was actually good. Then you see their strategy currently is now bringing things back home because now the internet has improved. But for our, our own point of view, it wasn't just also the speed, the quantity of data. Video consumes a lot of data. So that's where the whole notion of if we're going to do this, instead of just reselling data and packaging with our box, we need to actually build the entire stack to actually own the network on which um, you can provide unlimited internet, which is where we now said, okay, let's tackle that problem. Now in tackling the problem, we started off as Tizeri and focused on a small niche market, which was estates, multi-tenant buildings. So we started off with the estate in which I lived, which was French Colony at that point. That is an estate of 200 homes around um, the Agongi area of Lagos. We pitched it to the Residence Association. And back then, my competition was a meg of internet cost 180k back then. Hoping if we can get 30 people at least, and then if we can provide one megabit per second of internet to them, we can deliver it to about 30 residents. That competition is totally wrong because no, so now we launched, we saw that those numbers don't make any sense. I'll explain that later on. But we had already set a price at 6.5. They competitively bid 6.5. 6.5. Six and the competition month. was doing how was much? Was doing 8,000 and above back then. Okay, so you were competitive on price? Or competitive on price from day one, and it was unlimited, so 6,005, and it was 24-7. In fact, the plans that were popular then were the nights and weekends plan when we started. So ours was disruptive both in terms of unlimited and the fact that it's 24-7. The bit I'm interested in is how you were able to solve that infrastructural problem. So you started with wanting to provide a service, video streaming service, you now saw that actually the infrastructure is wrong and you need to fix that. I'm interested in how you fixed that because okay. you, you use some solar, you pass So we didn't get to the solar. Oh, you didn't, didn't get to that bit. In starting to do that, the first thing we did was we built the first mast, which was so... You built the first So mast. one other thing, there's some dynamics to with any estate you're living in. There's the developers themselves, who are the property managers, and there's the SS association. They usually have divergent views, but trying to work with estates, you needed to bring both parties to the table. At that point, the developer wasn't okay with putting, and the estate association wasn't able to get the developer to allow us to put a mask within the estate. So we had to approach someone living close to the estate to rent a piece of land for them, a space four feet by four feet, 
and that was where we built the first. So that's mass. a lot of money. So it looks to me that your, your MVP requires some capital to buy a piece of land, and build a mast, and beam internet to people in a residential estate. So tell me how you went through that. Just for the people that want to start something and okay. look at this is we didn't have a lot of money. So in the situation where that we were, so there are other things that we did. For example, telcos will buy the land depending on how it is. We just leased the land. Small piece of land back then was what 300k. 300,000 for per annum. Per annum. Per annum. Okay. So you can monthly. So that's, that's, not, a, that's not ridiculous. So right? that's like less than a thousand dollars. So the footprint of the mast itself is not as huge as a telco. So we have that advantage in itself. The mast at that time was the holopipe mast, which wasn't also very expensive at that time. But regulations has changed that you can actually do that in Lagos State now. You have to actually build the Angola Steel Ion, but that didn't affect us at the onset. So we built the mast, everything all in. We spent a million. I had 500k of my personal money then. I, so you put your own 500,000, which is like $2,000 of your own personal money into this project. Yes. And where did you get the rest from? So I got the rest from my parents at that. Basically, your family invested so, in this. So you said, oh, this is what I want to do. But by, by the way, No, it wasn't. So it was a case of I just needed a little bit of money. Then there was no company. No company has set up. There's no round. This is just an idea. We didn't even know if it would work because we had reached out to some South Africans. We flew them in and they said it won't work. We had um, gone to the equipment manufacturers and they said it wouldn't work. They have a forum. So this was us blue skying. So I was on a trip. Then I was working at that point in time. You were so working full time? I was working full time. So this was like... This was just me providing internet for myself. So that's why I said, you need to back up a little bit. So we moved forward in time. First thing was Swift had cancelled unlimited internet. So there was no unlimited internet. I wanted to tell the residents that I needed a mask. They shut it down immediately. Like, because what will happen is everybody will now start building masks. Just so it will be like Lucky Phase 1. This was a gated community. So I had to now figure out a way to actually, in solving their problem, solve my problem. So it wasn't... Like you think, oh, we're setting up a company and no, not, oh, we're funding around. No, I just Which said, is fine, fine, interesting though, because a lot of successful companies start with personal problems. Some of them start with personal problems. I want to solve this problem for myself. And there are people that have the same problem. And then in solving that problem, they're solving it for a lot of people. And it became a company just like sure, that. So that's so what not... happened to you. Although it, there is a backstory that you also saw that there's a gap in the market for your video streaming. Uh, so business because, users. so also because in solving the internet problem, I could tack on the video streaming service on top of it as a value the service. But going back to building, the, so we built the first mast. It cost about a million naira, a ton of money. We didn't know whether it was going to work. I remember putting um, the equipment, placing the order from Singapore for the routers itself that we're going to deliver to the customer and then getting all the stuff from the US. And we're just like, if it doesn't work, well, the worst that it could be just a million naira. It's not the end of the world. But when we set it up, installed the mask. Then the provider then that was providing the internet, the one make that wanted to buy was Vodacom. So Vodacom did it. So it was a partnership with Vodacom. Vodacom it was pitched to the estate residents as Vodacom because then we didn't have a company, didn't have a name, didn't have any recognition whatsoever. So Vodacom deployed the one meg. I remember me and my co-founder driving to the Lent and Bread. So we said, well, let's go to the furthest part of the estate. If it works there, it will work everywhere. In fact, the other parts were like, how would they, because it's actually a physical installation. This is a new estate with new homes where people are going to allow us to install our devices on the side of their home. There are lots of ifs and buts. So while we're still in the car, we hadn't even rigged up the equipment high. Just while we were in the car, we saw we could get a signal. We're like, oh, wow, it's going to work. This was a distance of 600 meters. And we're like, ah. So everyone was saying it was not going to work. We're happy. At least, at least I was like, okay, at least we can actually install. Yes. So, and actually, the anniversary is tomorrow, five years ago. So the first installations we did was um, 15th of June, 2012, five okay. years ago. So we did the first one, which was my house. It took a whole day to do. 
then we went live on the 16th. And that was you, we mean you and your friend. Me and my, co- my friend, my co-founder. Who became your co-founder, okay. Which, yeah, it was just my friend from secondary school. It's not a, so that's why I said, all of these things, this is not startup, we're just trying to solve a problem, we're trying to business. So it's not like you just look at, okay, let, let's solve this particular problem for no, it was uh, just, Wi-Fi. Just, let's solve a problem for ourselves, and then and it, solve it, for and my it, estate, and it evolved, evolved into, into a company. So that's where a lot of folks get it wrong, that they think different startups have different founding story, but in our case, it wasn't just the real business we were trying to actually build was the vi- streaming, streaming. This, in the internet one, we also stumbled upon the solution. It wasn't like we actually knew it would work and all of that. So at what point does this side also now overtook your main so, business? So we, the video on demand, we also figured out that the cost of even doing the video, remember, you need a lot of doing minimum guarantees with the studios in Hollywood. The cost was going to be huge. So we're like, if we figured out the internet, that would be the way we would go forward with that. Then we solved the problem for friends colony. So we worked in French Colony, we got referred to another estate close to French Colony called Carlton Gate. When Carlton Gate was even fun, it was good because we were out of money, but the developer was building a hotel, Carlton Gate Hotel in the Bidon. And he said he would only give us the rights to build the mast in Carlton. So in Carlton Gate was better. We actually built the mast inside the estate. If we if we, we do provide, the same for you in, in, in Ibadan, right? Send the Wi-Fi, the telecoms and all of that. Then the contract was a decent amount of money. So that also helped fund our growth. So doing that project for the developer in Kaltingo Hotel gave us some money to keep going. But by the time we got to the third estate, Kaltingate also introduced us to Treasure Garden. But by the time we got to Treasure Garden, our biggest competitor then, IPNX, started saying, okay, what's going on here? They had only one estate. They were just trying to roll fiber to the home. IPNS was doing something similar to what you're doing. They were doing fiber to the home. Unlimited. Unlimited. No. So it was data capped. They had a problem. It was data capped. It was... 50% 50% more than, no, no, even twice the cost, more than twice the cost on the subscription. The initial setup was three times the amount. So on same cost technology? Basis, no, same technology, fiber, using fiber. Using they were using fiber. fiber. So we were using Wi-Fi, they were using fiber. They only had one estate that I was aware of at that time, Goshen, which not a lot of people had heard about then. So in getting to the third one, we were already deploying faster than them. But Treasure Garden was different. The estate residents couldn't make up their mind because we approached them, IPNX approached them. So they brought us out at one of their meetings with their escrow and they were like, they really make up their mind who to allow to go ahead. Then they said, okay, you know what they would do? To allow both of us deliver our service to the estate, right? So one other thing I would advise people, competition is not bad for you. That was our turning point to know, even know whether we'll be able to compete in the bigger world. Because telecoms is really competitive. You have really big player with a lot of money. What we found out in actually allowing them, so people were not even happy, people that wanted our service because they've heard about it in friends calling and they knew it was cheaper, it was better. I was like, no, don't worry, let's even see what will happen in that situation. I was scared a little bit, but I was like, okay, let me see. And then what happened was they couldn't deploy the service fast enough. It took them in four months to even get the service to the resident. While we deployed in less than three weeks and then pretty much got the market share inside the estate. So you cover more than they were? We got the market share in the estate, even though they even offered an additional. So they offered a phone service for free for them. We didn't offer that because we didn't have, remember we're, we're yes. cash trapped. So we just said pure internet, let it be. It was a no-brainer, 9.5 versus 15,000. I think it was then... No, sorry, 6.5 versus 15,000 on subscription. Our setup was 9.5 versus 40,000 or something like that. So it was a no-brainer. So we now knew that 
even within the top 5 to 1% of the country, they were still cost-sensitive on how much they are yes. paying. They were also cost-sensitive in the sense that a no-brainer, unlimited versus data cap. So we now said, okay, that unlimited will be our unique selling point yes. as long as we can continue doing it. Somebody once told me, I mean, about two weeks ago or last week, uh, about the uniqueness of different markets and what makes different companies win at different markets. So in the early stage market, when the market is so new, um, the, the fastest product, the person that deploys fast, win okay so if you, if you execute faster than the other person you win in the competitive market the best product wins the, the person who has and i think that's what you try to do there and in a mature market the best brand wins so what you figured out was that your product has to be distinctive and have that competitive advantage and you were able to do that better so, than anyone else so we figured that out so that's why the competition it became clearer to us that as long as we're offering unlimited internet we're going to differentiate ourselves from the others as long as we can get it cheaper than the competition just slightly cheaper we'll have a, a company per se so and then you're able to prove that within a very, very a small, small competitive arena so, okay in this place where we have another competitor who is well funded no noise here and then we can just fight and then we can win. Did, did I give you a lot of confidence to then say, okay, we can So that was when we now them. started doing things like, um, oh, we should set up a company. We didn't have an office. So then so we used to go up, You don't even have a company. It's we, just your, we, we, your we, video streaming company. We so just, who are they signing up with? They, so they, the good thing about an estate is you can always key into, they have a way they pay their service charge and all that. Okay, so let me back up a bit. In French Colony, they paid to their estate residents, right? In Carlton Gates, they paid to our account, an account that we had. In Treasure Garden, we even pushed it a, a bit further. So the price we charge our customers now, we actually started charging Treasure Garden that amount. So there was a discrepancy even in price. So because we had the six five. We were testing our price point. So we already knew that we could offer the service at six five, but people were willing to pay nine five. So that's nine five is the price that. So we held the same price from twenty twelve till today. So we're able to it's push. Like how much in dollars? Which is oh, then it was much better in dollars. Now it's thirty bucks a month. Okay. Now, All right. So. Now, how many subscribers have you got now since you moved? Yeah, because my competition is watching that. I won't say that, but... But, but, <laughs> but we've grown... It's in thousands. So there is this thing about you that probably a headphones. You bootstrapped this company to profitability. You've invested your own money. So I invested my, I invested my money. money in later we on? Put, what I did was, because I was conscious, now it became a company. I had to separate it from myself. So it was more like a, any money I put in was a shareholder loan. So I was, I was going to take it back. But... In, when we had been around for a year, a year and a half, I think 18 months, a VC contacted us and wanted to give us money. So we did they hear about you? Funny story, part of bootstrapping. So when we ship some of our equipment, whenever I have a trip on the summer, I ship all the equipment. Then when I'm coming back, I put them in my luggage. And a friend of mine too, so I, I used his address back then to ship some of the equipment to my... In Canada or US? To his, his address in the US, in Oakland. So it was like, wow, for me to actually be doing that, then he was in investment bank, was like, that means that this thing must be very serious for me to actually carry my... But I was like, yeah, it's not that, it's not yet a company. In fact, it was in his house, we actually got our ISP license from the NCC. So I applied to the NCC, got the ISP in the Nigerian Communications Commission. So if there's anyone that's struggling with licensing and always just apply. If you apply and fill in all the requirements, you actually will get it. I'm, I'm a testament of that. We applied for our license. We actually got it. And it was after we got the ISP license that we broke, kind of broke away from the estate thing and started exploring ways to actually so go mass market. Okay? So we applied for the license, got the license, and then that's when we now started a company, structure it well, um, get money from all the people that put in money, well, my parents. So more people put money into it? No, no. So this is not money. So this is pretty much that same just... I would say about one million that we started with, one million naira pool. 
we're then taking in money from the customer. So it was the customer money we were rolling. So each month... Your revenue funding, yeah. We're revenue funding. So, the bush, so bootstrapping is really, for subscription business, is very is the easiest form of business to bootstrap. Because all you care about is as long as you're adding your subscribers, you're going to get are not losing as much because they'll always be churned. You will always have money that, as long as you keep your expenses low. So the only major expense for us, apart from bandwidth, because this is an unlimited service, was fuel. And in some of the locations where we were providing the service, when we were in the estates, they were taking care of the power. But in other locations where they didn't have power, because that was going to limit us, because that would mean our dressing market is an estate in Lekki that has power. So we needed to figure out how to power our base station. But luckily, remember I said French Colony, they didn't allow us to put the mast in the estate. So it was outside. So we struggled with using a generator to power the base station, uh, the, the tower then at that time. But um, I have a picture I show where we now said, let's look at solar. Let's look at some other way to power this generator. Because the problem with generators, you have to figure out how to turn it on. You have to figure out who's going to turn it off. You have to figure out how to get fuel to the location. You have to figure out how to top up the fuel, how to monitor the fuel. Think about that and think of how many base stations you need to cover the entire Lagos. Which is how the telcos have actually done it. Done it. And that's what makes the infrastructure cost huge. Huge. The OPEX is huge. The CAPEX is huge because you're going to buy a generator. The OPEX itself. And... With us, what, what we found with solar was even the footprint of the location where you are leasing from, the, you get savings from that by using solar. So we put up, me and my early staff put up a small rig, one battery, a solar panel. It's a very funny picture I'll share it with you. And we left it overnight. We just left it on. We didn't even know if it was going to work. And we turned on, put it on, powered one of our equipment and just left it um, there. I went away. The next morning, I came back and it was still on. I'm like, oh wow. That means this actually works. So we now said, okay, let's test it in the next location where we're going to. So we tested it in um, for Crown Estates. Crown Estates too, we had the same issue where the developers in Crown Estates, that was even really bad. They didn't even want us in the estate. They actually worked against us. They didn't want... What, uh, what was their reason? They don't know why they, they're saying no, but they didn't want us in the estate. But the estate association wanted us. The developer just was wasting our time, basically bringing one issue after another. So at some point, we just said, you know what? Let's figure out a way to put this outside of the Crown Estate and beam into Crown Estate and deliver the service to the residents. Because it's really the residents that are going to pay for the service. So we put up, set up the solar panels, two panels, 200 amps out battery, put a charge controller and left it done. That site in the last five years has gone off twice only. It's ridiculous. From a point of view of even the batteries too, like batteries, I'm sure anybody that has, that has used inverters I know it knows that to have the same set of batteries for five years, that site is still our model site where we figured out how to do two things, power a site and, and also in a case where we now knew that even we don't need the developers, we can actually provide the service outside of an estate and then start thinking of providing service with mass market. Let's stop and take a quick break. We'll be right back. You should mark this date on your calendar, 21st to 22nd November 2017. That's when I'm hosting the second series of High Growth Africa Summit. Last year, the High Growth Africa Summit 2016 was lit. We had over 350 entrepreneurs and investors across Nigeria, other African countries, UK and US. And we had loads of great speakers. This year, it's going to be bigger and better. It's happening in Lagos. We expect to gather more than 750 entrepreneurs and investors. This is not your average conference. The focus will be about learning how to build, scale, and fund your own business in Africa. There will be workshops, seminars, and masterclasses on practical stuff like how to validate a startup idea, how to grow your business through digital marketing, how to hire and manage a software development team, key questions investors will ask you before taking a meeting. The sessions will be taken by entrepreneurs who have been in the trenches and have battle scars to show, and investors who are currently taking big risks on African startups. To attend this conference, 
questions, you need to register at highgrowthafrica.com. That is H-I-G-H-G-R-O-W-T-H africa.com. It's happening on the 21st to 22nd November 2017 in Lagos, Nigeria. The ticket is less than $30 for general pass and $100 for the investor pass. But the ticket price goes up as we get closer to the conference. Go to highgrowthafrica.com and register now. That is H-I-G-H-G-R-O-W-T-H africa.com and register now. So let's talk about the big picture. So you started that small with a small, simple problem-solving solution idea, and then you evolve into a company. Let's talk about the big picture here. There's a potential for you to, to actually provide to a lot of people with regards to internet and data in Nigeria, because I know that one of the key challenges that the startup face, apart from electricity and, and transport, is data and access to unlimited data. And you are promising that. And you want to do that at scale. You want to do that everywhere. Where people travel, they have, that, they have the data with them. They don't have to be carrying a dongle with them. They don't have to be carrying, because whenever I come to Nigeria, I have to carry this dongle with me. Oh, my fire. So you want to solve that at a scale. How do you want to approach that? And what are the key challenges that you face, okay. that you're going to face along the way? Now, um, the first thing is telecoms is regulated. So in order to actually do anything actually so you see we, are, we said we applied for a license so um regulative last bit changes in telecoms a lot so one model might be okay today tomorrow it might not for example um the way we're operating changed on us like a few months ago so we're actually having to scramble that ball as long as we have we can understand the regulatory landscape across different african countries we'll have no issue so that is key because if you don't have if you can't even, it's a non-starter. So first step is you have to understand clear, the regulatory framework clear, and know regulatory. how to work around work it. Work around it and work with it. And work with it. And, and sure, there's also a place of influencing the regulatory framework as well, which we're going to talk about later, later. about policy. But, so, but the first lesson is it's know, very, understand the regulatory, regulatory framework and work around so it. So second, the tech itself, the tech gets better. So tech is easier. Tech for develop, developing internet. And it's a lot of people are well. working and it's getting cheaper. So that is not a real problem. As long as you, we're at scale now, so we can buy bandwidth ahead of time. So that is it. But for any other person, that is a big deal. But Where do you we, buy your bandwidth from? We get um, a bandwidth from main one, main one cable. So we connect directly to the submarine cable at three different points. And then we then from there go wirelessly to any location we're going to meet. Right? Then the third one is access to capital, access to the right kind of funding. So one of the things I mentioned is we did get VC funding that we turned down. Because the way it was structured was not going to allow us to keep executing unlimited internet. Let's talk about a bit about uh, that VC funding that turned down. What was the main terms that you objected to? The way the redemption reserve was set up, so we needed to actually start putting our money from the funding that we have and from the business itself to actually pay back the investors down the road when they redeemed their investment. When we computed it, it would hamstring us because then we don't. We have only very little left to actually invest. In Sorry, the I don't get it. So normally so, investors, VCs, uh, we invest. A million dollars in your business, and we get 20%, and that's about maybe $4 million post valuation. And then the way it works is that when you exit, we have 20%. There you go. But, but is that how it works? So they want you to. They want so there, to so it's different VCs with different terms, but every investor wants a way to get their money yeah, at an exit. exit. So there are two ways you either get acquired, which not a lot of activities like that in Africa. Or you get an IPO, which also to stock market here is not right. So the third option, which was creative in what this VC wanted to do, was um, to actually set up a fund where you actually so say you wanted five extra money as an investor. Mm-hmm. So would say down the road, a few years down the road, I would take five x for my money. 
but in order for the business to actually return that 5x, they should be setting outside money from the profits and the revenue to get to that 5x. So when that time comes, they can actually redeem their investment down. Very creative. But the problem was the multiple that they used, and when you come back compute it, was going to be a lot for the business itself. That was the key problem with one of the The 10. multiple was more than 5x. You don't want to disclose it. But I don't want to disclose, but it's, it's on the same number that if you walk so backwards... it's going to financially... Hamstring the business. Hamstring. So the only other way we would have been able to meet that, right, was for us to do things like start data caps, which that way we now lose our unique differentiates or something we discover very early yeah. as what customers wanted. And it could change the DNA of your business. But how much are we talking about here that you turned down? A million dollars. A million dollars, okay. So, so significant. So especially for early stage companies. And it was also milestone based, based on meeting some milestones too. So we now took that, me and my co-founder and my management team at that time said, okay, we can actually hit those milestones without taking that money if we did more creative things around the way we our cost were. That, so we didn't need the funding to hit those milestones itself. Everyone around the room says, don't take it. We're not going to take it. We're just going to put our head down and then double our, redouble our efforts and then just go big or go home. This is really key, actually, because I talked to some founders that some of the energy that you put in trying to get investors, if you can just put that energy into building your business and doing revenue and meeting your milestone, you could actually build a fantastic business. I have this whole, I'm giving a talk later next week on how to bootstrap $10 million run rate. Um, it aligns the steps we took as ourselves. Tell us a bit about the, some of the steps. Yeah. So some of the steps is um, take money advance in advance because it's... From uh, your customers. For the customer. So that's like a 0% loan. So for example, in our case, we'll say pay for six months and you get a month free. If you look at that, that's like you're only giving up one twelfth as a discount, but the lending rate today is way more than that. It's twenty five percent. So you borrow money from your customers, right? Pay your bills as late as possible because we as Africans we have this thing as when you get a bill you want to pay it immediately, whereas the due date may be. That is Except if the other company as well is trying to bootstrap their own, their own business. <laughs> but usually, <laughs> but usually the telecoms, people, yeah, 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 trying, two to, trying, trying to, to, to so pay your bills as, as late possible. as possible. Negotiate terms as you get bigger. Then so single source. A lot of things. So one of the things we did was instead of having multiple providers, that's what some people do. We single source to one provider. That way, if you're buying a lot of stuff from one person, right? In our you can negotiate better terms as you go along, right? You have a strong partner because that way, as your business gets larger, you can always benchmark what the prices your competition will be. So for example, the other Samaritan cable providers, I can always, every point at which I'm going to increase my bandwidth, benchmark what they offer, and then come back to them and they will always beat it because they know you're growing and they can see your growth rate, mm -hmm. right? Because you're buying one, something X naira from someone. You're buying two X tomorrow, mm -hmm. three X, and the guy's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy is growing, so hey, so you can so save don't money want to lose. When, so you can save a lot of money, a lot of money. That way. in fact, I say take two steps. You tell them when they match the price, you go back to the other guys if they can match it, and then come back again. So I, my advice is always do it twice. So some people do it once, and now do it a second time, just so that you're you're sure at any point in time you're getting the best price. Then. Think of insight. If we didn't think about the diesel problem and solve it with solar, if we had a ton of money, if we had the VC money, we would never have figured out that we could do things differently. So you can think creatively when you think don't have it. Because sometimes raising money gives you a bad habit of just spending. That sometimes I mean, you are not really measuring your growth, you're not measuring some things with the money, and you're not looking at the ROI because you felt that you've got like a million. Everybody, yeah. if you have a million dollars in the bank, they say, Well, you think, think differently diff from, from if, you, if you're just bootstrapping yourself. And the thing about bootstrapping too is what we learned in bootstrapping for such a long time. Even when we got into Y Combinator, we had to um, clear regulatory on NCC in order to do the change of shareholding. So we didn't even get. Is it? Yeah, so we didn't even get the funding. 
until three months into YC. So if we're not used to actually keeping our costs down, we will not have survived an extra three months. Let me say, we're not have three months. But your existing business, without YC, my assumption is... Yes, we would have still been... You still be running... You still would have been running as fast as... as you need. Part of the thing in being an accelerator, you want to accelerate your business. So if you are growing at the same rate, you're growing pre... So we needed to buckle down. So what we did six months before YC... We didn't even know we were going to get YC. YC just happened, right? But even six months into YC, after we rejected the million dollars, and then we now took a little bit of money. We just did a small round, a small private placement in Nigeria. With some local investors. With some local investors, just key investors, customers of my company, which is why doing a good job is also important. So one of the investors was a customer of my company. One of them was a partner, and one of them was my first boss when I came back to Nigeria. So people that know you. So these are people that said, hey, they knew... The effect of what we're doing, also our story of rejecting the money and basically we're like, how much more money? Like, how much did you raise from this? In terms of our business, then, it's not a lot, so it was 18 million or something. 18 million naira. Naira, naira, right? Which, in telecoms, you can blow that in in two weeks, right? So it wasn't a lot, but at at least it gave us enough to keep going. Then, um, YC came to Nigeria. We actually didn't even, we thought we were even later stage than what we were applying to YC, but later we found out that that was not the case, but we wanted to actually just provide Wi-Fi to the event they are having in a Lagos Business School because we saw a lot of tech people were going to be in that event. So that way, it was more of a promotional thing for us. But in doing that, we were able to get uh, Microsoft to use our internet day after the event and they loved it and then did officers and it was like encouraged us to apply and we then got into YC. So it wasn't deliberate when you applied to YC. We you were not involved we were in not, the So we applied on the last day. No, we were just so that was, so that was another thing. Michael Silver was your customer, kind of. The event was being organized by O. So O was organizing the event. Yes. So we just wanted to provide wife as an awareness for the people around there. It wasn't specifically a, oh, we're going to YC kind of thing. And then they discovered. They, they now, so on the last day, Michael was going back, office hours, the last people we talked to was like, oh, encourage us to apply that. The deadline date was coming and we should apply for YC. So we did that. YC was coming to Nigeria. They were going to have an event in Lagos Business School. We wanted to provide Wi-Fi so that people experience Wi-Fi.com, the energy, and then we get customers, right, from it. At the end of the event, we reached out. Michael Silver was there. Walked, I walked up to him. I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. And then he used the Wi-Fi there. And I was like, oh, really good. Dad. So there's a lesson here, which is always provide a fantastic service. If you can, you don't know who will use your service. It could be an investor. It could be a partner. It could be somebody that can accelerate your business. In order to... We also came for the dinner. We're wearing our t-shirts. Our t-shirts are very flashy. When the article came out in Tech Cabal, where there's a um, white combinator, we were the only people, only company there visible. that was visible because we were wearing our company brand t-shirt. What, what does that lead to for you? So it's a um, touch point. So YC folks has used the service. They had seen the company, so it kept registering in their head. So when it was time for Fizzle, you remember the Wi-Fi guy. In fact, it was a big day when in YC we launched as Wi-Fi.com then because nobody because that's what they, didn't know, yes, that's what they know us as Wi-Fi.com Wi-Fi. Yeah, because so, that's what I kept hearing, actually. So that's, so, so that's where... So the Wi-Fi.com, the NG thing, initially was TZT1 providing internet to their states, but when we launched out outside of their states, we launched out as Wi-Fi.com. Why not Wi-Fi.ng? Why not Wi-Fi.ng? When we launched, is a costing, bootstrapping. The cost of Wi-Fi.ng was 25k. Because of Wi-Fi.com NG was 1.5 or something because we went with Wi-Fi. But that's a lesson. You Wi-Fi.ng. That is the big lesson in Pennywise Pound Foolish because we now had to buy Wi-Fi.ng last year at thousands of dollars. So, <laughs> so what we said, what we could have gotten for 25,000 Naira, <laughs> we paid thousands of dollars yeah. later down there. But we own Wi-Fi.ng. But because that is easy to remember, uh, easy to pronounce. There are people that 
would say they prefer Wi-Fi dot com than Wi-Fi dot Fedora. But we own both of them. But we you have it anyway. So let's quickly talk about your lessons at Y Combinator. So you finally took big money. Big money. Yeah, you you took about over a million dollars, right? I don't know, but yeah. You cannot you cannot comment or or refute that. Um, Why it? <laughs> we got the YC investment and then we raised the round after YC and and then you raised big money after YC. We raised some money. Okay, you raised some money after YC. Has that changed the DNA of your business in terms of growth, scale, and so? And so in terms of lesson from YC, so when you're bootstrapping, you're not focused on one thing. You're only focused on surviving and being alive. Pay salaries at the end of the month. So you don't care about your numbers. You could add X number of customers this month. X you minus. Spend money on marketing. Mm-hmm. Is so you see. so. What we did with YC was consistently replay all the things that we've known about our business and then focus on it, focus on one number, which was growing our revenues. And we're able to do it to the point where we're growing at 25% monthly, month over month during YC. So that is one of the things why they were actually to focus on one number and ensure that number grows. And that's what we're able to do. So we're able to focus on that. Second thing we also learned during YC is, is marketing is... The way you grow your customers, you, you're the expert grow housing. It's not necessarily just um, spending money, spending it in a very structured way. Thinking about the best way to acquire customers, right? Best way, in for example, for us. And then in a repeatable scalable way. Then another thing is, we also found out the thing that would um, make us less successful is the cost of our capex because it's telecoms, right? So we figured out a way to actually get that drive that cost significantly down and get the cost of that each new tower or base station will build down. So that's something we figured out in YC and that's the model we are actually rolling out and you see a little bit of difference in the way our model is. So, that's so the customer is still sees 95 but from a business model point of view, the way we fund the build out of our base station changed. We, and we figured out by experimenting, maybe testing a number of things during the three months in YC. Did you also change your team or added more people to your team? So in the three months, we've grown significantly because now we're trying to triple revenue. We Typically, we're doubling revenue, but we want to try and see if we can triple revenue in the next one. So we've, we've grown the team. We're putting in place another management team. Then one other thing, we're being dinged on customer service kind of thing. So we've got to um, hire the customer service manager. We're hiring um, more senior people, people on the technical side. So basically, some of those, me and my co-founder, have been done traditionally. So we're now breaking that out and delegating it. What's, the, what's a big hiring vision for this business? So we big, want to be... Subscribers? Or what, what is it? Big hiring. We want to be able to have unlimited internet anywhere in Africa. That's in Africa. our goal. Because the telcos will keep giving data caps and I think that's limiting our growth as... In terms what happens if the telcos now say, okay, we're not going to give data cap, we're going to be doing unlimited internet Yeah, they will, well. so they'll go out of business first to be... Why? The way they run their business is not as efficient. But at some point, you will stop playing David. You will, you will be the Goliath as well, right? So yes. That's hopefully that. Yeah, then you have the cost structure that they might have as well. Yes, yes. Okay. Not exactly, not exactly. The way we execute our business is not going to change. We're even going to try to even be more capital efficient as we go. So, for example, our margins were 30%. Actually, it's going to go to 90%. So we... 90%? Yeah, so we... How are you we, doing that? So those are some of the things we're, we're doing, but you can't see that effect now. So we spend the whole quarter trying to put all of those things in place. This has been one of the... the quarter after YC has been the most stressful because we're trying to maintain our growth rate in YC and at the same time also trying to grow customers because we we can only grow customers if we build out more sites. So we're building more sites. We're dealing with a lot more regulation than when we were much smaller. The bigger you get, the more headwinds in terms of regulation you're seeing. But navigating all of that is what we're focusing on. And then on the customer side, too, as you get bigger, dealing with customer issues changes. They perceive you now as a big company. They don't perceive you as that little startups that can get along with some things, outages and all that. Stuff. So we're dealing with all of that. But more importantly, we're tweaking our model that we want to be immensely profitable because as long as we are immensely profitable, we can give down limited internet, which the telcos will never do that because it will cannibalize their revenues. Like saying Apple should give a cheaper iPhone. 
very cheap iPhone. But, but then they also realized that voice and SMS is dying and what people... So more, even more reason why they shouldn't give it out for free. They should charge data. Okay. So it's a double, so, so your voice is dying. So it means whatever revenue you can squeeze out of yeah. data, you can do it, right? And then as long as their cost structures and the way they, their business model is, they won't be able to uh, be as nimble as... That's why you're better than that. You'll be nimble and you are we'll always be nimble. Not, we'll, it, you didn't set up like I can give you an example. Company. Say that event that we did for Y Combinator. No telco in Nigeria today would have been able to deploy the service to that place in the time in which we did. As quickly no, as you did it. No, no, okay. not even. Right, let's round up this conversation by talking about the Nigerian tech ecosystem and okay. where it's going and what are your views on because a lot a lot has changed and My, improved me, in the last two years. Okay. Because I bootstrapped and I was successful at bootstrapping. My advice to every startup is I see a lot of startups just waiting for funding. They're not actually executing their business. I was advising one of the one founder late last week, telling him that you're going about he went all the way to San Francisco, knocked on all the doors and all that. I'm like the time you spent doing that, you spent about two, three months doing that. You could be in Nigeria growing your business three months is a quarter of a year they should all focus on bootstrapping it is easier when you've shown some traction ah, so a lot of people will take you up on that that and I'm ready it's not all business that can be bootstrapped my business is the one that cannot be bootstrapped if you look at it from you want to build a telco and bootstrap to no other telco has done it everybody raises money and it's in raising money the wrong type of money right is why they can't do some of the things I'm, I'm saying that's why I know that they can because they raise a lot of debt they raise a, a very bad terms we saw a bad term and we said, no, we're not going to take it because it will hamstring us. So my business is one of the businesses that it will be difficult to push up. Not all businesses, I agree, not all businesses can push up, but you need to figure out how to be alive every day, cockroach mode, till you raise that money. But you cannot keep saying, I'm raising money, so that's the reason why I haven't done A, or I haven't done B. But there's some business that you need monopolistic network effect, and for that to happen, you need to grow really fast, and if you want to go really, really fast, you need to raise a lot of money. So, so give me an maybe, example maybe of Maybe massive e-commerce, for example. There's no way Jumia could have been what they have done in Nigeria without raising that amount of money that they've raised. We can argue that are they profitable? We can argue there are people that going down. In the end, they may still all converge at the same time. People going slowly and Jimmy has gone up and come down. But we can argue that we don't have examples. But I can tell you, name one business, right? That, then, that, then, that needs money. That needs a ton of money before they can actually show any traction. SpaceX, Tesla. Even SpaceX. Facebook. He, went, he wanted to acquire a rocket from the Russians. He ended up saying we can build this cheaper, right? Same thing. I know, I can Normal, every other every other small Even Nigeria, MTN, all the telcos company, they will need a lot of money to start with, right? And then not everybody has a million naira to start their business like you. But I can understand that. I think there's going to be another debate around this at some point. So we can, we can yes, talk about Yes, but then let's move on to the fact that you, you're not raising money and then you, there's a big picture here in Nigeria for you. But what are the key challenges that you see that might actually be affecting the ecosystem in Nigeria? Okay. Generally, not just the, the ecosystem. So, now. so the ecosystem, first thing is in internet. If you ask any founder today, if he doesn't, if you ask him, what about top money? Three, top three. I, I am biased in that money thing, so I, I will never say money. I, you can, I can go to town with, and all the people that have raised money that started. Remember, this is 2012. All of us started about the same time. If you look at the first set of founders and all of that, but I mean, those that raised money earlier than me, at when I rejected money, they are not ahead of me in terms of execution. They aren't right in terms of revenue and all of that. I'm still ahead, and by not even raising money, I have a huge percentage of my company versus they they have. The main important thing is to figure your market fit, figure out your business model because even money, my staff will tell you, I always say money doesn't change anything, right? Money doesn't change. Figure out how to ex- 
execute your business with that money and let money accelerate your business. If your business doesn't work with small money, it would even work less with more, a lot more money. It's just you're multiplying zero times 100 is zero, still zero, right? Okay, I'm going to end this podcast by asking some series of fire and questions. Just well, just a second, one last thing is um, the ecosystem itself, right? Once we leave that money mindset, we can see clearly on the ideas itself. There are so many startups working on a lot of things that even if you ask the founders honestly, because normally if you ask the founder, they'll always be positive about their business. They will tell you that it's not working. When we start focusing on real problems, real African problems that can be solved, when we stop calling a startup and stalling my business, stop using the word startup, start using my business, Business, real business that needs to pay me a salary at the end of the month, you start seeing quality ideas, you start seeing people working on things that but can actually that solve problems. Lead to small-mindedness in terms of people not thinking big because they don't want to do something that would require a lot of money to start. I have an investor that one of the investors that invested was come to Nigeria. He looked at all large amount of startups and the guy came back and it was like he's gonna double the investment he put in our it's more than double the investment initially put in us. Because when he looked at all of them and was like they are not solving the problem that we have today, right. right? There are a lot of problems that we ha- we have. Even me, I know the next problem I'm going to tackle down the road. This is when I'm a lot more older. I'm going to tackle power. So I'm an electrical engineer. This internet, I'm figuring it out. Hardware, it looks like a big problem. Somehow we've been able to diffuse that into a small problem. When I, I'm done with the internet problem, solve every length and breadth of Africa, I'll come back to Nigeria. If nobody has solved the power problem, and solve it the same way we did it. It's solved for a small set of people and keep going that way. Then I'll show people that power problem is also not as... It's capital incentive. It requires a lot of energy. It requires a lot of stuff I've done in, in, when I was working before, but it's not as... If anybody can solve power problem, I don't think there's any problem that's bigger than that. But not small-mindedness. There are other problems that they can solve that can add values immediately to us as a people. We can list all the startups. So I think TechPoint has this thing where they are listing all the startups. We can go through them and just like a, a video game and, j- and joke over it. A panel, say the panel. Put up the idea and say, what is this actually solving? This guy is wasting time. Maybe you should stop solving that and team up with X, right? I'm just saying there are a lot of people working on stuff. They're startups. And the problem is when there are so many of them working on all of this problem, we are diffusing our energies too within the ecosystem because every investor that comes has to go through all of them. They might even miss the idea that makes a lot of sense. I have a belief that if you are not, if back to the no money, you will die faster, so it helps us with evolution in the ecosystem. We will actually kill all of those ones that are not good ideas so that those that are good ideas will be alive and then they can get the funding and keep going. It might be radical. It might, some people might not agree with what I'm saying, but I believe that if we focus on the small problems, right, that seem challenging because they are African problems, you would see a lot more healthier startups. Like, I have a problem with the way the Etisalat issue was handled. Etisalat should die off if they can't compete. That way, only those that can actually stronger. compete stronger. You get stronger, you get a stronger... Yeah. Because now they're holding on to those customers. Those customers, hey, they could come to us. <laughs> they could come to MTM, but in trying to intervene, they're not helping this ecosystem. Because sometimes that kind of death... Because they're going to keep easy click, easy click over, all over the death. place, whereas they are not strong. Their fundamentals are not right. Whatever free data they are giving doesn't make any sense, right? People need to charge for some of this stuff, right? Mm. And that's why I believe. So the ecosystem will be better off if there are fewer healthier, fewer startups solving Which we take problem. time anyway to get there. About, yeah. now, so I'm going to end this podcast with about a series of fire and questions um, that I just need one sentence answer to them. So number one is what is your biggest pain point now in your business? My biggest pain point in my business today would be talent. Not even talent. That's getting staff that are committed towards the cost. The staff even interviewing, so we're putting the management team. Interviewing someone on the management team is, is focused more on the salary, not focused on the big picture. 
internet problem is not far from being solved. Being part of the people solving that should be what drives you versus saying, oh, oh I don't care about equity or anything. Just how much is mine? Like, I already know that. Like, hey, you have a valuable skill, but you are not coming on the journey. Then even at the lower level, new hires, they are more focused on actually using the internet to apply for other jobs. I have a guy that moved to a bigger telco because of 20k difference in salary. This is a guy that, I'm serious, people make weird decisions. So when I see that there's unemployment, I say, no, there's no employment. Part of the problem, even the people are there employable in the first place. So we have a people problem, right? My first few staff, the initial staff I have, committed, they're focused on actually getting there. There's even the ones that stayed longest because they don't understand. They've seen the company go from nothing to where it is. Others are just coming to apply to the company so that they've seen now. That? Because I, I hear this every time from a lot of founders. If I had the solution, I would gladly tell you that we'll be the biggest ISP in Africa. If I could figure out a way to talent. just look at the talent and know it. But you only have to try them out. In six months, me, I fire very, very fast. My staff will tell you that, hey, I don't think about that. If I know that it's not working out with both of us, I fire. So I hire and then give them six months to understand if they, they are committed to it and then get rid of them. And as, as long as I keep, we keep doing that. So we've been doing that even from the one is part of our bootstrapping. Even the way we attracted our first test of staff, we did this whole community Wi-Fi enabled laptop. They thought they were coming to work for what Wi-Fi the community is now, not what it was then. But when they got in, they're like, wow, <laughs> it's not what we... But that's story for another day. But yeah, so that's... So talent, is, so talent, talent is still a big challenge. What is your number one growth metric that you are measuring now? Growth metric is number of, number of subscribers. Number of subscribers. Two things, actually revenue. Revenue. Because I told you I'm trying to triple revenue. Yeah. In 12 but then your subscribers is what feeds So it's what feeds that. Pay. Okay, so that's what you look at every time. So that drives every other thing. So if, yeah. you, if we're doing the right things, we're adding more subscribers, reducing our churn, yeah. and growing growth. And, so and in new areas, so increasing great. our coverage. That, that's, that's the indicator for your revenue anyway. Which book are you reading at the moment? Which book am I reading? The startup CEO that is, has the first quarter, you're yeah, not reading any book. But I'm the book I like the most is The Hard Thing About The Hard Thing About by Because what execution in Nigeria is hard thing about Hatin is in a hard place, executing the hard place. That's Nigeria. So if you understand that, which is why I don't sugarcoat. When people ask me, how's it going? Some founders will always tell you that see if it's going rosy. People will tell you that I'm always saying, man, situation normal, all fucked up. Like snaffle every single time. Because I know it is hard. We deal with a number of shit. There's um, what I joke with, tweets this week in TZ, right? It's always crazy every month. But I'm not scaring people, but if you really want to be an entrepreneur, it's not all fun and games. It's actually, there will be periods you will cry as a CEO founder. There are periods where you cry in public. I never thought that would happen to me in my adult life, mm-hmm. but it happened to me on Demo Day YC. I actually just broke down. I was why, was it, why did you? I got some news where I thought my... Because part of the thing about bootstrapping for so long... It's not is, about you it's about, fright. It's about... No, no, no. It was after so I had done my presentation, but I had some news where I thought my company was going to die. And that's the only thing that I was like, oh, wow, if this happens... Even everything after will the euphoria of the YC Demo Day. After the euphoria, and that's one other thing. Hey, with YC, I have like the best batchmates. They all come comforted me and it's going to be better and yes 24 hours later the news changed the news changed and and which is why I believe it's darkest <laughs> before it gets yeah. about I, to get I think better. I tell people that there are two states in startup only two states there's no in between up or down that's only yeah, yeah, yeah. multiple <laughs> no, no, don't, don't say up or down so for anybody <laughs> listening not up or down multiple ups or downs within the same day we, yeah you can have that separately so within the same day so don't think it was up for a week or a month no, 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 then down yeah, for a week no even within the same day I was even joking 
came to one of employees that we hired on, I was saying that, oh, multiple things happened a day, this last Friday. And I, it was like, ah, ah, is, ah, is it possible? I'm like, okay. By 5 p.m., we got a letter, we've been fined by some legal state agency. So I called him back, I'm like, yep, we thought it was Friday night, right? And we <laughs> thought it was over because we were just talking, like, close up business on Friday, everybody's getting ready for it. I said, okay, so see what we're going to do with on early Monday. next week. Yeah, Monday, a fine for And we don't even know what happened with what the weekend. So, thank you. You know what happened with the rains, whatever. So, if you're an emotional person, you want to just know how to work with the lows and celebrate the highs. Celebrate and that's the one of the reasons why it's good to have a co-founder. And talk to. So, my own, just beyond founder, the luck I have, I also have the YC founders in my batch too. So that even makes it a lot better. You have them as support network. You saw on my Twitter profile, we, we sat back down together and did a group office hours. First one since we we're all back. But it's also important if you share with other founders. Because to be honest, your family members may not understand what you're going through. So you need this group of founders. But unfortunately, the way the Yaba ecosystem is, we can talk about that on different, but you can't even share with those some of those folks. Yeah. Because they can use it, what, we can talk about why... I have a smaller, closer, neat founders I talk to versus just all the founders. Okay, last question is, which business apart from Tizetti is getting you excited at the moment? Preferably startup, basically. Startup, it will be, I know it looks as if I'm biased, but it will be Ayala Credit. Why? Because I believe that um, credit is what runs the business. Remember I told you one of the ways we, one of the pivotal things in my business, two things we always pivot. One, um, recurring billing by Paystack, right? And if I can get people, the setup costs we charge, if I can get someone to actually take off that load from me, because I know that that's the switching cost. People complain about, oh, the 30000 they're going to pay off. But if we could get some lend, like credit, to give them that to give them that credit to do that that will help even your sales too will be because there are people that may not be able to afford 95 but maybe if they have some form of credit right and I believe credit not just the way I yell but just credit if anybody working on credit in Nigeria because you would see you lived outside of Nigeria I've lived outside of Nigeria I will tell you the things I was able to accomplish early on in my life was because of credit a home I bought in Canada was because of credit right car I bought in Canada was because of credit and all of those things are paid off normally if I wanted to save up for that house or that car I would never have bought any of those things in Canada Right, so I believe there are a lot of sales that will, could have been made if there was some form of credit where people can pay in bits. But we lose all of that since everything is cash based in Nigeria. It's good, okay. Kendall. Thank you for coming to uh, Bidding the Future. It's a great pleasure, and I hope I'll have you back again to discuss no, something no more interesting. No, no, no. Thank you. When we triple revenue. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Building the Future podcast by Dolton. These are the interviews with entrepreneurs that are playing a key part in shaping the African future. And you'll be able to hear all their stories. For more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at thestarter.com. Our revolution will be televised. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. Before you go, I have a favor to ask you, and it will take 30 seconds of your time or less. It means a lot to me. If you like this podcast, you can easily let me know by going into iTunes, Teacher, SoundCloud, or wherever you download podcasts and subscribe. You can also go to our website, thestarter.com. That is T-H-E-S-T-A-R-T-A dot com and sign up for our newsletter. It will be a huge favor to me and it's really simple and easy. If you subscribe now, it will help us a lot. Thanks.
This episode is brought to you by JEE Client Services. Have you ever left a negotiation feeling that you have lost, overcommitted, or will be overpaying? Negotiation is a skill and it can be learned. It is one of the most important skills you ever require as a business person. That is why you need to attend this online masterclass put together by JEE Client Services in conjunction with Lauren Gold Consulting. It's three series of live webinars starting from 14th November 2017. At the end of the webinar, you will understand how to gather intelligence and prepare for negotiation, how to set expectations, how to bargain across cultural borders, how to deal with deadlocks during negotiation, and a lot more. This isn't just any masterclass. It is put together by top players in the game. JEE Client Services provides business support, governance, and compliance services for SMEs, large corporates, high net worth individuals, and membership organizations. If you want to get the best out of your next negotiation, you need to sign up to attend this webinar series go to www.jcs.ng and register the first masterclass is free for listeners of this podcast to register go to www.jcs.ng